Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lord. Amen. Well, we got a lot of word to cover. I love y'all, and I love the shout. But we got a lot of word to cover today. So I want, you to, I want you to give you something to shout about. Amen. Some Look at somebody and say, neighbor. I don't mind if you shout. Just as long as your shout come out the Bible. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, let's get ready to um, um, get this going. Amen. Open your Bibles. 14. Ephesians 6, the 14th verse. Amen. One, two, three, go. That's it. It's just, that's it. That's all we covering today. Somebody say truth. truth. No, I ain't say truth. I said truth. <laughs> yeah, that's what we talking about today. Amen. Title today is, this sermon is fighting the lies of the enemy. How to restore truth at the core of your life. How many of you need truth in your life? Amen. Let's go before the Lord. Father, God of heaven, we ask your hand and your heart on this sermon. Well, I pray that the practical principles here would be packed into our soul. <clears throat> Help this to be something that we engage in amens and hallelujahs and shouts in. That's fine, but God, I, I pray that it also is something that nourishes us and help us to know what to do with truth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that saying? Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, one of the things about me is I hate to order electronics offline. I like to actually put my hands on and look at and ask questions. I don't want to wait on the phone with some 60s music playing till somebody pick up 15 minutes later. I like to actually be able to engage a person. But one time I, I decided to actually buy a, um, some electronics offline. Received the electronic offline and was excited to be able to use it, but it didn't last long. 
And what had happened is the person that, of course, the salespeople, when they selling you stuff, they always talk their stuff up and have you thinking that this thing gonna last forever and this is what it's gonna be for you. But what it ended up being for me is the people sold me a bill of goods because they overpromised but underdelivered. The devil is the same way in your life. The devil is always selling you products that have expiration dates on them. As a matter of fact, he loves in your life to overpromise in your life and under deliver in your life. And that's why many of us under the sound of my voice don't have the Christian life that is as strong as it should be. Because many of us have bought into the lies of the enemy that has impacted our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I'm, not, I'm not silly though. I know some of you under the sound of my voice, you're still courting the faith. You're here, but you're here with a micro, uh, with, 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 with a uh, magnifying glass out. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to test whether or not uh, the Christian faith is actually something that you would engage. There's others of you that have gone through so much church hurt, you're testing out whether or not you'll be a part of the church again. And so you're still courting and, and, and everything. And then there's others of you who just attended, those of you who are members, but you're not plugged into truth. And what will happen is, in your life, you can't court truth all your life. Coming to church on Sunday only is courting truth. Um, but when you begin to make truth a part of the matrix of your life, uh, your life begins to change, your life begins to be transformed, and it becomes a lot more stable. So when we come to the book of Ephesians, we have been, we've walked through uh, the earlier part of this where we talk about um, the nature of spiritual warfare, what spiritual warfare is. We've walked through that. And as we walk through what spiritual warfare is, we've gone through the origin of spiritual warfare and who the uh, big players are in spiritual warfare. Now it's important for you and I to begin to practice what it means to actually know what it looks like to put spiritual warfare into practice. Well, one of the things that's very, very important for you to know is that being in spiritual warfare is not merely sparring. Okay. Many of us, you know, you, you can go in the gym all you want and you can shadow box. You can hit the speed bag. You can hit the weight bag and you can even have a sparring partner. But those are tests. That's, those are not really battles. You can be the most skilled looking person. I've seen dudes get in, in the mirror and they can stand there, you know, and, and they can get, they can do, doing all of that mess, you know, and then karate kid stuff, you know, doing all of this and all. You can do all that you want to. But, but the question is, what will you be like once you get hit? Church, church is the gym. The world is the ring. And so you can be all up in here. Devil, we stomp. The song come on, you stomp the devil. And you stomping him. He's under my feet. Let's see if he's under your feet when the drinks come out. Let, let's see if, if you're doing all of this when, when your kryptonite walk down the street. Oh, ain't nobody going to talk back at that part. Because we, we like the praise moment when we stomping on, when we stomping, stomp on the devil. And we all together holding each other, stomping on the devil. And, but can't get a stomp when we get outside. And so, it's time for you to stop simulating a fight. 
Because some of you look good in the mirror swinging your arms. Right hook, left hook, jab, bob, weave. And then it's mad KOs out on the street. So when Paul is talking here, he's talking about a real battle where you apply real skill and real tactics. There's a saying in the fight game, everybody has a plan until they get hit. <laughs> and if you can't <clears throat> hold your punches, when you get punched, you're going to get knocked out. But Christ through his death and the sending of his spirit <clears throat> has given you everything you need for life and godliness. In other words, you and I don't have any reason not to walk in victory in a, on a consistent basis in our life because of what Christ has empowered us to do. In other words, winning should be normal for you. Now somebody said, we all make mistakes. I know that, but we don't live in that saying. We don't make, we all make mistakes as a mantra for, for not walking in victory. But many of us say, we all, you know, we all sinners. Okay, I know we all sinners. But the Bible doesn't say focus on being a sinner as a way to not walk in victory. What I see that as, as a, is, is an excuse <clears throat> so that you can have a just-in-case clause whether that day you don't feel like being a Christian. So when we look at this passage, Paul has been talking to us about <clears throat> what it means, what it means to put on the whole armor of God and what, the def what that defining reality is in that passage. So when we look here, at our message, fighting the lies of the enemy, <clears throat> how to restore truth at the core of your life, number one and only point. If you're going to restore truth at the core of your life, you must break the lack of authenticity in your walk with Christ. You must break, somebody say break. Break the lack of authenticity in your walk with Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's look here and talk about what this means. Are y'all here with me? Yeah. I'm just making sure. Um, verse 14, stand. Stop right there. Stand. Somebody say stand. <laughs> this is a very important term. This term actually has been said four times. So just to give you a Bible study lesson, whenever something is repetitiously communicated, not just in the broad span of different chapters of a book, but in a particular section of a book, there is emphatic emphasis being put on that term to make sure that you place your mind and you place your commitment into making sure that you make this thing that's being brought up front and center in your life. Number one, repetition. Number two also is position because this verb is what theologians or exegetes would call a, a, a main verb. In other words, the main verb lets you know what God wants to be done, but then after the main verb tells you how it gets done. Let me say that again. The main verb tells you what is the big idea of what God wants done in your life. The other stuff tells you how to apply what the main verb is controlling or laying out in your life. So when he says stand, stand is an interesting thing because now every piece of armor that we're going to go over week to week is going to be a mechanism when you use together how to stand. Please hear me. 
It's not about the individual piece. It's about all of it being used. Why am I saying that? Because he says put on the whole armor of God, not pieces. You're not Tony Stark, got a piece of armor that came to you, and you shooting with your arm, and you ain't got nothing else on. That's movies. Okay? In the Bible, you got to have everything on. And everything on is very, very important to your fortitude and commitment as a person who's supposed to stand and apply the word of God to your life. So when he talks about stand, it is a complex term because it, it has several things when it talks about struggle. It points to the goal of what we're supposed to do in the struggle. What's the goal? Number one, not to be moved. Not to be moved. One of the things that's very, very important in standing and not being moved is not to be tossed all over, over the place. That's why you can't let your main doctrinal diet be YouTube and memes. Because if you're not letting the word of God shape what is truth, then what you'll begin to do is you'll be what Ephesians 4 says, tossed to and fro about every wind of doctrine. The Bible, the Bible says a, a, a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. So when we look at not being moved, it, 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 the, the, the point is there are two positions for the, for the believer, forward movement or firm standing. Let me say that again, forward moving or firm standing. Now when we talk about stand here, stand has to do with specifically when we talk about not to be moved, it assumes that there is an attack on you. And so because it assumes that you're being attacked, it's assuming that if you put on the whole armor, you won't be moved from your position even though the enemy is advancing on you. Means that you have the ability, if you put on the armor, for the enemy, listen, not to be able to cause you to lose your current placement where you planted your feet. That's why you have to, you are called to be spiritually stubborn. In other words, when you're called to be spiritually stubborn, you're called to be stubborn in such a way where you're planted and locked and loaded for the glory of Christ. Next, we got a lot of ground to cover. Next, it's to hold your ground. It's to hold your ground. Hold your ground doesn't mean just standing. It means fighting while you're standing there. It doesn't mean passively receiving hits. It means that you have to fight back. Next, it means foundational stability. <laughs> Foundational stability. We'll come back to that in a second. When we talk about the idea of standing. Now we come to the first piece of armor. Standing overshadows the text. We're going to come back to that every single week and talk about how you stand in each one. Breastplate of righteousness, sword of the spirit, every piece, doing all you can do to be able to stand, then take on. Boom, we're going to talk about that, right? But then here, it says, stand... Verse 14, controlling verb there. Therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. I like that. Now, it's not saying that truth is a belt. It's just saying that it should be what a belt is to a warrior's armor is what truth should be to your life. Okay, let's see if we can break that down. Now, let's fix the imagery here. The imagery here is not Paul being chained to a Roman soldier and looking at the Roman soldier and getting an idea about the armor of God. I used to think that. Actually, another hermeneutical principle to teach you. Whenever you see a New Testament idea 
always check the Old Testament to see where it comes from. Now, here he's not referencing the Roman soldier as the model for how to put on armor. He's actually referencing Jesus. Okay. Put it up there. Put it up there. Isaiah 11.5. It says, righteousness will be a belt around his hips. Faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. So where does that come from? Paul is taking this idea of Jesus's warrior armor. Now, I don't know what picture of Jesus you usually have with a little linen outfit, uh, 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 kind of like a 60s kind of permed blonde hair, blue eyes, fair skin with rosy cheeks, slapping lilies, tickling Peter kind of thing. Walking through the wilderness and, hey, y'all, hey, y'all, everybody come follow me. Like this, this, this kind of tender image of the Lord, right? However, and this is no, no shade on anybody, that's not Jesus. So, like, like, even in his lamb state, he looked like a beast. <laughs> because it took strength to get the skin tore off you and still hold to the cross. To me, that's not a punk image. I'm sorry. Anyway, get mad at me, send me an email. That's Jesus. <clears throat> the other side of it is, is Jesus stands in eternal armor himself. Now, this armor is his messianic armor that he has on. He has on a breastplate, chilling. He has a linen outfit, and it flares out kind of here and just kind of hangs. And he has a linen that got the split here. He got the, his, his breastplate is made of gold. He got a nice fitted belt. It's not the Hume Jonah. It's not the Gucci Jonah. It's the eternal truth belt. You know, it got a big T on it. Amen. Hallelujah to the Lord God Almighty. And, and, and he looking real, he, he let it show too because he, he, um, he has his vest just tailored right enough so you can see truth right there, right on his waist, right? Y'all think I'm crazy, it's truth. <clears throat> so what is, however, when you understand the role of truth, truth is at the center of the armor, not the breastplate. <clears throat> the reason why truth is at the center, because truth is what makes sure the rest of the armor is held together. If you don't have truth in your life, it's going to fall apart. Truth is the overarching mechanism in the armor. That's why he names it first, because it's the piece of the armor that holds the rest of the armor, the ephod, the tunic, the breastplate. Everything is fashioned just right so that truth is the center of every piece of the armor. But not only that, Paul is borrowing from this passage to give you a word that really is made up of two Hebrew ideas. Two Hebrew ideas is first righteousness and faithfulness. The, the, in other words, in other words, truth is made up of righteousness and faithfulness in the way Paul is using it here. And it's defined by Jesus being the one who defines where it's put and how it's worn and how it's used. Are y'all still tracking with me? So when we talk about this idea of righteousness, righteousness means, and it points to healthy judgment. It means righteous judgment in situations, even making good decisions based on truth. It also means this. It means ethical standards that point to right relationships between people. 
treating others as the image of God based on the God-given dignity that that person deserves. So truth is not just something that you utilize in your thinking. Truth also impacts how you treat other people. So, so, so hear me now, we're building the foundation. This is very, very important because as we look, we're going to look back at how Paul uses truth throughout the book of Ephesians to know how to biblically define even practically what it looks like when you're saved, how you utilize truth in your life. But not only that, not only that, it's interesting that he says justice or righteousness and faithfulness. Now, faithfulness, the basic idea means to be firm and certain. Real simple, simple. So you take treating people right, judging things rightly based on having the right information, then from there having firmness and certainty in your life. When he says put on the belt of truth, that is exactly what he's talking about. So when we put this belt on, the question is now that we have it defined, what does it look like and where is it found in our life? But the question is, why do we need truth? Very important thing. You have to fight the lies of Satan. Because where God wants to implant truth in your life, Satan has or is trying or will try to insert falsehood in your life. So what are the things that he loves to lie about to you? Let's put them up there. These are some things. He, he loves to lie about who God is. He loves to do that. God is not, I mean, God, God always trying to keep something from you. That's, that's what I don't like about him, see? If you just, just roll out, you know, fall back from him, because that's how he is. God's intentions for you. Why would God let you stay like that all the time? Why would God let that happen to you? And he just eat away at you. Keep, keep going, keep going. Things he loves to lie to you about. He loves to lie to you about your identity. We're going to come back to that. He loves to lie to you about your value. He loves that. He loves to lie to you about your significance. He loves to lie to you about your sin. How does he lie to you about your sin? By telling you it's not sin. He loves for you to call it a mistake, a mishap, a shortcoming. Anything that doesn't make it evil. <laughs> he loves to lie to you about forgiveness. Man, forget them. Hold all you want against them, all you want. Walk in bitterness. Do your thing, man. You ain't got to forgive that person. Then it's eating you up for the rest of your life. He also loves to lie to you about your ability to move on from your past. He loves your past to be your functional emotional present. He loves that. He, he, lo he loves that. <laughs> he loves it that you don't get over stuff and you're not able to heal and move on from stuff. He loves for you to remain in the same exact place where you are in order that you will not be all that God wants you to be because he knows if you keep you, he, if he robs you of your development from your past, he can impact how you apply God's promises in the present and in your future. Yeah. <clears throat> but not only that, he loves to lie to you about God's timing of God's promises coming to pass in your life. He loves to do that. He, he, he loves to get you to give up on standing on God's promises. Because if he can get you to give up on standing on God's promises, you have nothing to stand on in your life and no hope or nothing to look forward to. Okay. So let, let's, let's, let's move to the next one. Let's move to the next one. So how does it apply to women? Don't send me no emails about this, all right? Because I got this from women. I sent out a text message to the women of God in the church. Amen. 
and they sent me some holy things for the sisters. Amen. So what do what lies women love? God, the devil likes to tell women, number one, you're not good enough. Which fuels seeking for identity and value outside of God. In other words, some of us, there, there, there are things that the church has done that need to be fixing as it relates to how women are talked about. However, what has happened, though, is many women have abandoned a biblical theology of womanhood and have embraced cultural femininity because, they don't, because the enemy is trying to get you to be frustrated with how the Bible talks about women so that you won't cling to what God says is real about you as the manufacturer, and then your main identity in your womanhood is found from culture and not Jesus Christ. I know I ain't going to get no amens there, but it's okay. Because, because the enemy <coughs> loves it when your identity doesn't come from him to the Lord. When your identity doesn't come from the Lord, then he's happy because whatever, anything else is his to molest. See, he, he doesn't mind if you find your identity in the culture. He, he doesn't mind if you find your identity on a podcast. He doesn't mind if you find your identity on YouTube. He doesn't mind if you find your identity on social media. He doesn't mind if you find your identity in your job. He doesn't mind if you find your identity in relationship. But as soon as you find your identity in the Lord Jesus Christ and you begin to know who you are, whose you are, and what's your purpose, now you're forced to be reckoned with because now you have the, the, the maker of your femininity directing you and leading you and challenging you and strengthening you and pushing you out. And then all of a sudden, now you're forced to be reckoned with. You're not a force to be reckoned with when the world gives you your womanhood. You're just swallowed up by the culture. Then he'll tell you, you, you don't have enough. You don't have enough, even in this state, which few striving and lacking of satisfaction and idolatry. <clears throat> in other words, contentment, a lack of contentment. What is, cont what is contentment? Satisfaction with God no matter what. So what he'll tell you is, I, I just believe that I can do better for you than God. Like, he see how long you've been waiting. He see how long you've been, like, what? You know, I don't roll like that. See, I'm a, I'm a better, I'm a better dude for you. Let me tell you why I'm a better dude for you. <laughs> because uh, what, 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 I, what I'll do for you is I'll give you whatever you want quick. God always got to work on you and help you to grow spiritually and make, he got to make sure you have joy in different situations. You got to wait years and years and years and you got to cry at night. I'll hold you. He won't hold you. Matter of fact, I'll send somebody to hold you. See the devil, the devil, you'll be like, yeah, devil. Now, you don't say devil, but you just say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then what's good about the Lord is your phone will ring. Somebody say, girl, what you doing? What you doing, girl? The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. You'd be like, oh, God, thank you for saving me from that. I was about to go off the deep end just now. But God came and had somebody call your crazy self and pulled you back. You about to go over there. Here comes somebody pulling you back off the edge. <laughs> Girl, how you doing with your loneliness? 
oh, girl, you called at the right time. Because I was just going to wild out and, God, I cover my sister right now in Jesus' name. I, I speak contentment in her right now. In Je- See, that's what you need. You need some relationship like that. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to talk back to me. <laughs> you, need, you, need, you need somebody that's going to understand your struggle of waiting on God, but not enable you to walk away from God. Yeah, that's what you need. <laughs> that's why we put on truth, not me put on truth. <laughs> we all put on truth together, then when your belt starts slipping, oh, ain't nobody gonna talk back. Then you got somebody say, hold on, sis, sis. Go ahead and put that back on. Because the verb is in the middle, which means nobody can put on truth for you. You have to put on truth for yourself. Now, I can encourage you to put on truth, but I can't buckle your armor. You, only you are equipped to buckle your own armor on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Then he'll, he'll say something. You're not wanted. Look at how quick she, he got a, she got a husband. You got more than her. How in the world you been walking with God all this time? She 22 about to get married. You finna be 40. Yeah, you right. You right. Ain't that something? You start talking to yourself, ain't that something? And then you be fueling jealousy and misplaced affection. Let me tell you something. Just because somebody gets married to you doesn't mean they're more spiritually mature. You're not single for a long time because God has to work something out in you. I know plenty of messed up people that got married quick. We need to stop telling women the reason why you ain't married is because, no, it's more more women than men. That's why. Don't let the devil have you believe in some stupidity and you walking all the way down the street acting a fool. Listen, let the Lord hold you in place and I'm going to tell you, he's still enough even in the midst of him not giving you everything you want, when you want, how you want it, and the place that you want it in. You wait on him, sister. You hold on to God. You put on truth, you woman of God. You're still godly. He still loves you because your identity is not in you getting married. Your identity is not in having a man in your life. Your identity is in the one who loves you more than anything and it may be hitting up against something frustrating and you may be frustrated today but I believe God for you right now for you to be content and strengthened in him in every single season of your life and you find purpose in him and him alone Stop letting the devil, stop letting the devil make you feel like God has rejected you. Because ain't nobody ask you out. I'm gonna move on, I'm done with that. Let's move to men. (laughs) 
all right, all right, settle down. That sister was like, good. <laughs> First one, compromise is normal. A lot of men in the church really don't believe God is a keeper. There is this, I'm telling you, there's this idea that I'm a Christian, but Christianity doesn't work. I love God, but where God doesn't take care of me, I have to take care of myself. Now I got these from dudes. Um, is Jesus able to fully satisfy your soul? Now let me tell you something about men. Men believe in quantity over quality. I'm, I'm, most men will not tell you this. They think that having a lot of something means that I have a lot of something. Not that I have something that's valuable. Okay, I'm breaking down. The reason why a lot of men have a lot of shoes, same pair of Jordans, different colors. It's the same shoe. But something tells them that the one I got that smoked them in the classic one that I told you was the one that I really needed to have wasn't enough. So I buy another one in the exact same color with a little variant on it. Next thing you know, I got 20 of the same exact Jordans. 50 t-shirts. That's why I had to purge. T-shirts. Because we believe in quantity over quality. Can I push in a little deeper? When it comes to women. We believe in quantity over quality. That's why a man is usually scared of a really, really, really good woman. That's scary. Because when you get a really, really good woman, then that means you can't be a collector anymore. So the reason why sometimes a fellow will fall back from you is not because nothing wrong with you. It's because something may be wrong with him. Now see, when a brother got a good dude in his life, he'd be like, look, man, let's put on this belt, bro. What's wrong with you, man? All, all that stuff in the street, that, that ain't nothing for us. Like, we believers, bro. Look, you get one good one. You get one good one. That's why the Bible says, and the two shall become one. That means, let me tell you something, bro. Dude, dude like this, listening like a mug, right? <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. You get one woman and you learn her for the rest of your life. And what you try to get in 10 women, you'll get 100 things in one woman because God made a woman to be more than multiple women because it takes more work to develop depth with one because God has a seed inside of her. And guess what, brother? He got a seed inside of you too. And God wants to grow you 
through her and wants to grow her through you. And if you guys would just look at Jesus together and look deeper on one another, when you hit a wall, you don't realize that your marriage ain't over, but you gotta realize that there's more depth available if you press in together because all that God has for you in that relationship is through him and not each other. Truth. So when you put on a belt of truth, it opens up so many different depths that the gospel has for you that Christ provides. I got, oh God, let me see. Um, Pastor Girl said, you gotta go through all of them. Oh God, y'all are crazy. <laughs> This is back in the days when the pivot, we go an hour, everybody be awake. See, y'all ain't got that level of stamina yet, you know. Y'all say 30 minutes, after 30 minutes, y'all ran back. <laughs> I can overcome my strongholds without others. <laughs> the, it's called the secret struggle. Because if I tell somebody, I don't know what I'll lose. So, so will I lose something if I snitch on myself? And so, and so, so you have more to lose by trying to handle it on your own. That's why the Bible says in Galatians 6 to carry one another's burdens. Next one, money and position give you identity. That's why when men first start talking to each other, guess what they do? Yo, man, guess what I do? What you do? You start busting up and y'all start talking all of this stuff because your identity is in who you, what you have versus who has you. And that has to be broken. Some men, these are things men sent to me. You aren't a leader, just stop. What the enemy wants to do is create passivity. He, what he wants in a man is the anti-truth to biblical male leadership. We're not talking about patriarchy controlling women. We're talking about biblical, Christ-centered, driven death leadership. Men Men have to press, you have to press into dying. Let me explain something to you, gents. There's no easy way to die. That means sometimes you have to stay up longer and prepare to lead. After everybody go to sleep, sometimes you have, that's what leaders do. What the enemy wants to do is he wants you to binge out on video games and now y'all looking at me like you're crazy, but the average purchaser of video games is 35 years old. So more men know how to play uh, Fortnite and, 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 and Halo or whatever. I don't, don't be naming stuff like I'm out of date. I, I'm out of date because I don't do it. Um, but, 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 but the issue is you, you, the, the amount of time you spend on a video game, you need to take that time and spend on some truth. I gotta move, I gotta move. <laughs> I got a lot of ground to cover. Um, momentary pleasure is worth it. We already went over that. Nobody needs to know what, I'm going, what you're going through. You can make it on your own. These are just multiples that men gave me as it pertains to this. And when we look at this list, I don't believe that compromise is normal. 
And I don't believe that we should be utilizing that as a rubric as men. I believe every man of God in here has within his capability, based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, to be a stand-up dude. Not a block stand-up dude. What I say? That's a stand-up dude. No, I'm talking about a kingdom stand-up dude. Yeah. I'm not talking about, oh, he doesn't snitch. Like, that's not what we're talking about. Like, on a block, a dude that doesn't snitch. Oh, we like him. But no, no, no. We need a dude that will snitch on himself to the Lord. Like, that's what we need. We need men to stand up and be the, uh, uh, the, spiritually, the spiritual standard for from everything from the block to the boardroom. Like, I, I want God to restore men as truth examples and culture shapers that they are called to be in the culture and the Christian man in the Christian church be the perfect example of that. I got to move. Let's go. How do you put on truth knowing ultimately that Jesus is absolute truth? Next one. How do you put on truth? Knowing that the gospel is the truth. Keep moving. So when we talk about this, in him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, that is the gospel, the gospel of your salvation when you believe. So we are secured because of what Jesus has done. And then not only that, knowing that there isn't truth anywhere else but in Jesus. So you can't put on your armor unless these are foundational pieces. These are foundational truths you must understand in order to put on the full armor. Next. Not only that, but assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. There is no such thing as personal truth. What do I mean by that? You, you can't share the gospel with somebody and they say that's truth for you. No. There is no such thing as personal truth. Truth doesn't change from person to person. God applies truth cross ethnically, cross across uh, 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 genders, cross economic lines. Truth is truth. Truth isn't made personal in the sense of it being personally applicable to you and it changes because you don't believe that it's true. The truth is the truth whether or not you believe it or not. So, so it's, it's not, well, well, I don't receive that. Well, it doesn't matter if you don't receive that because the truth is still the truth. So I believe that God settles it, that's it, and God settles it. No, it was already, the Bible says his word is settled in the heavens, not because you believed it. Anyway, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. Embracing your new identity in Jesus. Ephesians 4.24 says, I hope y'all taking notes. It says, and put on, because you need to apply this stuff, and put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and guess what? Truth. If all things are made new in your life, you have to be content, committed, I'm sorry, to the virtue that comes with that new life. So that's what you have to have in embracing your new identity. Next one. Next one. You have to face areas of your life you refuse to change. I'm going to come back to that. Now, this is very, very important. If you're going to walk in your new identity, you got to face the areas that you don't want to change in. Next one. Go, no, 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 go back. No, 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 we got one more. There it is. 
Trust the spirit of truth to lead you into all truth. Next one. Here we go. Dealing with believers truthfully. Therefore, put away lying. Quit all that. Lying. Talking about, well, what, what's the, how do you apply it? Stop it. What do you mean? Somebody say, Pastor, give me a, a practical way to stop lying. What? Stop lying. What do you mean a practical principle? Boy, I almost ran out the building. It says, how do you stop lying? Speak the truth. Jesus. Each one to his neighbor because we are members of one another. Seeing things as they really are in your life. Seeing things as they really are in your life. Not the caricature that you create for other people. Most of us have horrid self-awareness. Because the reason why we get frustrated and run and isolate ourselves because we don't want to hear the truth about ourselves. You can take a break from me and the local church. You can't take a break from the Holy Ghost if you got them. Look, see things as they are others and in the world. Repent where needed. Embrace the word in every area of your life. Now I'm going to come back to an application point on this. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Okay, the first thing is resist. Somebody say resist. resist. And what you have to do now, I'm done. Resist the lies. Resist the lies. That's right. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you know the devil can flee from you without you saying, Satan, I rebuke you? Know how you do it? Stop doing and stop believing the lie that he told you and stop doing it. Guess what that is? That's resistance. When Satan doesn't have an oppressive host to invest his lies into, he doesn't have time for righteousness. <laughs> he, he literally does not have time for you growing spiritually. When you start growing spiritually, you say, oh, I ain't got no time for this. Like, I need somebody that wants to die and act a fool. Like, I want that. Like, this person's shouting. They want righteousness. They're in their Bible. They're, people are calling them. God is sending. I see two angels stationed around. Like, I don't have time to go through all of that. I, I see, you know, man, I'm trying to bring three or four more of my dudes in. Here come these angels fighting on their behalf. Here come some prayer warriors. Mama praying for them. Pastors and people praying for them. They're all this. I ain't got, bye. He's like, bye. I want somebody I ain't got to fight through to get through. Anyway, anyway. Uh, 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 next one, next one. Not only resist the lie, remove the lies. Because there are lies that come at you, but there are lies that are already in you. And so if the lie is already in you, you can't resist it because it's a part of what you believe already. So now what you have to do, the Bible says, and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Why is that important? Because what you have to do when you get that lie that he's been telling you, you have to go get it and excavate that lie. Yes. But you cannot excavate that lie unless you admit to some things in your life that you know has become a part of it that's not a part of God's plan for you. That means you have to be aware and you may need help from other people. 
That means you got to put yourself in other relationships with other people. Let me tell you something. Being alone with God was temporary in the Bible. It was never meant to be a lifestyle. Those who want to be alone with God all the time, that's not a biblical Christian life because you're not good enough to see all the mess that you need pulled out of your life. You're not, you're not that good. So recognize the lies for what they are. Next one. We went to resist, remove, now you got to replace. Because you can't just remove something because if you don't remove something, you'll automatically go back to what you know. So now you got to implant. Somebody say implant. He says, therefore, ridding ourselves of the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You have to replace the tr error with the truth. So that, that's, that's the call of this. I want you guys to come back to this on podcast and listen to it. I want you to get a pen and a paper out. I want you to begin working through your life these practical things to practically work through what you need to do in your everyday life to apply the truth of the gospel in every single area of your life and do surgery on the lies of Satan. But one of the things I'm going to ask you to do, David says, you desire, I'm done, you desire truth in my inward parts. What did he mean by that in Psalm 51? He meant, it's interesting, he says, you desire me to see myself the way I really am. Now, what does that mean? It means you can't grow until you're honest about how jacked up you are. Let me say that again. Now, you're looking at me and somebody looking at me, which you are jacked up. I'm jacked up in areas of, I, listen, you are jacked up. Now. Now, now, I don't receive that speak life. No, here we go with the foolishness. See, that's why you're not going to grow, because I don't receive that. Well, you, I don't care. You're not going to get healed if you don't. Jesus never healed you of anything you don't admit you need help in. So you can talk about speaking it, and speaking it doesn't take it out of you. So I'm trying to pastor you. So listen, start getting ready, and I'm, this is my prayer, that God would show you your messiness. I know that ain't the best way to end a sermon, but it's the best way to end a sermon. Because you got hope that the cross will deal with your mess and the resurrection will raise you out of it. Father, Father, this is it, God. I'm um, praying for your people um, that we would um, really take seriously what does it mean to fight lies? It's unbelievable, Lord God, for us to really have in our life a multiplicity of lies but I thank you that your word is truth there's some people today thank you for tuning in to today's message I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life if this message has been a blessing to you we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give, and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.